0: Have you ever talked to any of your friends or somebody's in the office? Said, mate, you've got to see this TV program, whatever it may be, and they tell you. Maybe it's I don't know, Remember the days of Lost or something like that. And anyway, you haven't been watching, and you dive in halfway through, and you go, "What the heck is going on?" Anybody ever had that experience? Or you pick up a book that somebody says is really good, and, you, and, you, and it's halfway through. You just open that halfway through, and again, you are completely befuddled as to what's actually going on there, right? done that too, tried to get the gist of a book well that's a challenge a lot of people have had recently we just had a major event go by about 47 days ago what was that? Easter somebody's on that five points, oh wait, right. five points there sorry, I was giving five points away to the wrong person eh? so Easter came around and a lot of people had trouble explaining what Easter was all around Because some people in your office have got zero idea about what Easter was. You know, some even know that, well, isn't it that public holiday where Jesus went to the cross, he was buried in a tomb for three days, and Christians claim he rose again. Isn't that about the full extent of Easter? And that's what most people know. They have no clue. It doesn't make sense. It does not make a scrap of sense to those people in your office. All they're happy about is a day off. That's all they are. So it's like them popping the book open halfway through or jumping into that series of lost and they're lost. They just accept it as it is and it doesn't make any sense. They don't know why Jesus came to earth. They have no idea. And by the way, if he did, why did he even have to die? What's that? Because didn't you guys claim he's God? How does that work, God dying? If he did, why? Why did he die? And by the way, so it seems that you guys claim he died, but he came back to life? Well, what's, what's that all about? What does that mean to me today in my office, at work, at university, in my lecture? Well, here's the deal. To stitch all this together, you have to know the storyline. You have to know how to put the whole thing together. And today what I'm going to try and do in a very brief period of time, maybe like you've never seen this before, is to take the mystery of history and stitch it together in a five-part act, a story of five parts. So this is what we've called the mystery of history. History. And I want you to listen today as if your life or the life of somebody meaningful to you depended upon this. Because it does. And it's not just depending upon it for a job promotion. This has eternal implications. So I want to be crystal clear. I'm going to kick off in Ephesians 3 in the Bible. If you've got your Bible, and by the way, if you're a Christian today, and I know some of you aren't, but if you are, I highly encourage you to bring your Bibles so you become a, a workman. Like on the range, when I have new guys come along to our gun club and I'm the range officer, you can see the guys who are clueless. They don't even know how to handle their 9mm or their 22, or their rifle or their shotgun. They've got no clue. And one of the things the Bible encourages us to do is to be workmen who can accurately handle the Word of God. So I would highly encourage you. Let's pick it up. Ephesians 3. The Bible says this, God gave me, that's you as well, the responsibility, that's a responsibility, of bringing his grace to you. He let me understand the mystery of his plan through a revelation and the mystery about Christ. You see, in past generations, the Bible says, this mystery, third mystery, was not known by people. But now, God's Spirit has revealed His plan through, notice, the apostles and the prophets. This mystery is that through the good news. Now, what is the good news? The good news is the gospel, which comes from the word, anybody remember that that show, God's Spell? which which means good news. Gospel means good news. This mystery is that through the good news, people who are not Jews, that's Gentiles, that's you and me, may now share with these Jews in God's blessing. They belong in the same body and share the same promise that God made in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2 through 6. Now, The mystery of history is going to be played out from beginning over there to end over here in five parts. Five parts. Five acts. Here they are. The first part is real easy. In the beginning, God made it all. That's Act 1. Act 1. The very first verse in the Bible says what? In the beginning, God, that's a good start, made the heavens and the earth. He created the heavens and the earth. Our universe is made the product, the product of an amazing, loving, powerful creator. Now, most of us realise the universe had a beginning. Okay, I'll grant you that, Ian. But here's the question. Have you ever thought, why? Why? Why was there nothing and all of a sudden there's something Why? Why did God create the universe? Well, he did it quickly for three reasons. Number one, the Bible tells us this, is to reveal his glory. In other words, to show and reveal what is real like. just in the same way as an artist would paint a picture, it shows something about who they are. An expression of their character comes out. Actually, in Psalm 19, verse 1, the Bible says this, the heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. Well, duh, we all know it wasn't, there was nothing, there was a vacuum, there was no space, no time, no material, nothing. And then out of that, all of a sudden this came, I just saying tomorrow after the day. Imagine if we had to create Mount Wellington by barrel loads. We were breaking a sweat thinking about it, let alone the whole world, let alone the whole galaxy, let alone the whole universe. There's a lot of matter out there. It's massive. The heavens declare the glory of God. And there are a lot of things that we can learn about God by just observing nature. Number one, we observe like you do in my garden. He loves variety. In my garden, I have stacks of flowers. In fact, the other day I looked up, we've got about 400,000 species and different types of flower. Current count. I've noticed God likes lovely ones that are different colours and scented differently. God loves variety. I mean, just take a look around you. Look down your own, you know. Lots of different people. He makes everybody unique. Unique. Not carbon copies. Even down to things like snowflakes. Everyone is unique. That is just mind-blowing. Not copied stock standard. The other thing we can tell from God's universe is that he's really organised. Really, really organised. We used to think that the, the code for life was just contained in the DNA. That's what the thinking was when Watson and Crick came out. But now, on top of that, there's a whole other layer of complexity called epigenetics, which is just mind-blowing complex. And we're starting to understand that. It doesn't matter whether we're looking at the microscale or the nanos- uh, nanoscale or the macroscale. God is ordered. Look at the laws of physics. Look at the, uh, the laws of gravity and chemistry. They're incredibly fixed. How is that? If it's random, things change all the time. He's incredibly powerful. There is unimaginable power. When God created this universe to fling all that mass at the speed it came out, whoo, that's amazing. Now, the more we understand nature and the universe, the more we get a glimpse of some of the attributes of God. In fact, Johannes Kepler was saying, science is just uncovering the thoughts of God behind him. We, we get to discover the grand nature of his incredible intellect the Bible says this everything comes from God everything existed by his power and everything is intended for his glory so God created the universe first to reveal what he's really like and his glory secondly he created the universe to express his love to express his love The Bible tells us that God is love. He's the essence of love. It's His nature. And all love comes from God. The Bible says this in Psalm 145, 9. His compassion is intertwined with everything that He does. His compassion. See, God has never made anybody that He doesn't love. Nobody. Including you. God has never made anybody He doesn't have a purpose for. He didn't just make you up and then see where you go randomly. He had something in mind for you. And God has never made anybody that he didn't want in his family forever. And that's part of his love. And the whole reason you're alive is that God made you to love you. And God loves you. And this is the really good news for me and maybe for you. He loves you on your good days. And he loves you on your bad days. He loves you on days when you feel it. And you can kind of sense that, and he loves you on days when you don't sense it. Why? Because God's love is not based on how you and I feel or what you and I do. God's love is based on who he is, which never changes. Everybody else's love, this may be a shock to you. Young people, listen carefully. Everybody else's love in your life is conditional. Everybody's. If you do this, then I will love you. If you don't do this, then I won't love you, because God's love—sorry, God's love—is for you unconditional. He will never, ever, ever stop loving you, never, because it's based, remember, on who He is, which never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, God says, "I created all first to show what I'm really like, second to express my love, and thirdly to form a family." I created all this to form a family. See, God wanted children and to share His love with. We were created specifically to become part of His family. And the Bible says this, in His goodness, God chose to make us His own children. That means the family of God by giving us His true word. There's no true word than the word of God. And we are... Of all creation, don't miss this, became his choice possession. We are higher than all the animals or everything else he made. We are his choice possession. Now, there's a couple of outstanding facts from this verse and the next one I'm going to show you. The first one is that you matter to God more than anything else he ever created. The Bible says we are his choice creation. And secondly, in this next verse, God created it all so that you could exist. There are verses in the Bible that teach that God created it all so you could exist. Here's one, Ephesians 1.4. Long ago, before he even made the world and the universe, God chose us to be his very own because of his foreknowledge through Christ, uh, uh, what Christ would do for us. He decided to make us holy in his eyes without a single fault. Wow. Something had to happen, because I've got so many of them, we who stand before him covered with his love. So God had a plan in mind to create an entire universe so that he could create this galaxy, so he could create this planet, so he could create a human race, so he could create you just so he could love you. That is a very broad-ranging plan. And if you let that plan sink into your heart and mind and let it touch your emotions, it will change you. It'll transform your life. That's how much God loves you. And let me say it one more time. No man will ever love you like God does. And no woman will ever love you like God does. Because God's love is everlasting. And he created the whole universe in order to create that family so he could love you. And by the way, God didn't need to create us. He wasn't lonely. He enjoyed perfect harmony in the Trinity and relationship within the Trinity. That's why right back at the beginning, remember, they agreed. Genesis 1.26 says, Let us, plural, make man in our own image. God didn't need us. He wanted us. And if you understand how much God deeply and passionately loves you, it will help you to overcome inferiority and low self-esteem and insecurity when you realize that you are the choice of his creation. And he gave it all to you. He gave you the opportunity to be part of his family. Paul says this. When I think... Of the wisdom and the scope of God's plan in Ephesians 3, I fall on my knees and pray to the, father of, all the great, uh, father of all the great family of God, some of them already in heaven, like some of you got friends that have gone on to be in heaven, and some down here on earth. So it's important that you understand all five acts in this mystery of history, because until you understand God's purpose for the universe, you'll never understand God's purpose for your life. So act one, in the mystery of history, is God made it all. Act two, Adam messed it up. Adam blew it. He served a double fault, you're out. (laughs) Now he had a little help from Eve. But it was Adam who messed it up. When God created the earth, And he put Adam and Eve and the first man and woman in a perfect environment. The Garden of Eden was great. Think about it for a moment. There's no sorrow, no suffering, no sickness, no sadness, no in-laws, no distractions, a perfect wife, and tropical paradise with no clothes. (laughs) And then he said be fruitful and multiply what a god (laughs) but here's the thing god wanted his children to be able to love him back and by the way it's not real love if it's forced if you don't have a choice so God still loved his kids, but he wanted them to love them back voluntarily. So one of the perfections he gave his kids was them the ability to choose yes God or choose no God. The ability to choose. So out of all of creation, now remember, this is a very big word. Out of all of creation, he said, that's all yours. You can have the whole lot. 99.99999 recurring. But there is one thing, just one, just one miserable thing. I'm going to stick straight in the middle of the garden. And that's just to let you know that, to test if you really love me. Enjoy, just forget about this thing. Go, go enjoy the no,,. Do that. But I'm going to put this there, otherwise you'll never have a choice so that you can show that you choose to obey me, that you choose to honor me, that you choose to love me. So here's my point. God asked the minimum possible. Think about that. But what does Adam and Eve do? They head straight for the tree, right? Just like your kids. Don't touch this. (laughs) Adam sins, disobeys God, And then he takes it like a man. As you know, he blames his wife. She gave it to me when he's confronted. And ever since then, men and women have been blaming each other. The effect of that sin, though, that disobedience, was foretold. And this is what I have missed for nearly 40 years of my Christian life. It is unbelievably catastrophic, the effects of that sin on earth. It did three things to earth. Number one, it brought death onto the planet. The Bible says sin came into the world because of what one man did. That's Adam's rebellion against God. And with sin came death. The Bible says in the New Testament, for the wages of sinners, death. That's right. But what's the the other part of that verse? But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Right. So all human beings that have ever been born since, Adam was kind of like acting as a chief power of attorney. That's how it works. And two characteristics are in common with every human being. Number one, they are all sinners. That's with a capital S. And the all will die. Now some feel it's not fair for God to judge us because of Adam's sin. But each of us here today affirms that we would have done exactly the same thing in Adam's place because we are prone to rebel against God we, c- we confirm this every day when we sin we have the same sinful nature and we are prone to rebel against God and we are judged for the sins that we commit Now, the Bible calls this problem rebellion you don't hear that much today it's called sin. And the Bible tells us of this in Romans 3.23. It says, For we have all sinned and proved that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious lives that God wills for us. And as a result of that, not only did death enter the world, but everything in the world became corrupted, broken. And that's the second consequence. The world was broken by sin. Now nothing on the planet works perfectly. Have you noticed that? Your body doesn't work perfectly. Even our DNA gets corrupted. Relationships don't work perfectly. Notice that? Bumped into a bit of conflict lately? Maybe not in your lives, huh? Yes? Okay? Our minds don't work perfectly perfectly. our emotions get messed up. Now, because of that, there's real evil in the world. And we have things, horrible things, like incest and rape and child abuse and racial injustice and wars and sexual trafficking. Everything got messed up and broken the planet. The Bible says in Isaiah 24, 19, the earth has broken down in utter collapse. Everything is lost, abandoned, and confused. Now, there's the third catastrophe that happens. There's a loss of purpose. When sin entered into the world through Adam, don't miss this, things went downhill straight away, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And God's purpose for everything was corrupted or lost. Even good things that... And by the way, a corruption, if you have a data file... That's called, I don't know, Ian's document, dot, doc. And it gets corrupted. It'll still look like Ian's document, dot, doc, but there'll be all sorts of mess inside it. Do you know what I'm saying? It'll have some some resemblance of the original document, but there'll be corruption. That's what evil is. It's corruption of good. So what I mean by that is the good gifts that God gave us started to be abused and misused and were corrupted. For example, sex is a gift from God. But it got corrupted. And today, is it abused and misused? Absolutely it is. Food is a gift from God. And drink, are they abused and misused? Yes. Money is misused and abused. Family lost its purpose. Nations lose their purpose and go crackers. This week, my wife's home country of Canada They're now going to have the power, they've passed a law that gives you the power to have your children taken away from you this week. Lock it up. If you find that your child is born male and decides he wants to be a girl and you're trying to get him back in the straight and narrow, the state can take you from him this week. Franklin Graham was astonished. Go read it. Nations lose their purpose, families lose their purpose, individuals lose their purpose. The Bible says this, Romans 8. For creation was condemned at that point to lose its purpose. Yet there was still hope. Don't forget that. So in spite of all this blackness, notice what the scriptures say there. There was still hope that all creation will one day be set free, which is what Ben and we all sung about this morning. Set free from its slavery to dec- uh, slavery to decay and will share in the glorious freedom of the children of God so in spite of all those negative effects there was still hope and a God who said there's hope on the way now in this act things aren't going right and this is don't forget still the first part of the Bible even so God still says I am not going to leave you alone I am not going to leave you without hope there's a solution coming I am going to send you a saviour now, on that point, a lot of people have got a bit of a misrepresentation. They, don't, they think that the gospel has just happened when Jesus Christ came. That's not true at all. God didn't go, oh, gee, I made a big boo-boo. How am I going to fix this? You go. In fact, there's a bit of homework for you. You go in your Bibles and you find out, look for these words, the eternal gospel, eternal. That means it was before the end of the world began, and it's in there. Next week, there's five points for the person who finds where that is in the Scriptures. The eternal gospel. This just didn't happen at the cross, so for thousands of years, we've read of Adam's promise of a story of the mystery of history over and over again. And God gives us signs. He gives us symbols in the Old Testament. He gives us scriptures and he gives us sacrifices that one day he is going to provide a solution to make the problem right that we cannot fix. Which leads us to Act 3 in the mystery of history. Jesus came. So God made it all. Adam blew it. Act three is Jesus came. So God sent Jesus to restore us to God and to rebuild that relationship and to pay for all of our sins to make the wrong things right. Now, let me underline how important this is. A lot of people have made history in life. Alexander Graham Bell, to name many. Albert Einstein. But Jesus is the only one to split history into A.D. and B.C. And every time you write a date down, 2017, you are using Jesus Christ as the only reference point. Nobody else ever has had that classification. And rightly so, because 2017 years ago, God came to earth in human form so we could understand what God was really like. And he lived a perfect life in an imperfect world, and he died on the cross to pay for the sins of humanity, past, present, and future. And that's Act 3. Here's what the Bible says. Jesus was given to die for our sins and was raised from the dead to make us right with God. Now what Jesus did on that cross that day was a solution to all of the problems that Adam had created. The Bible says that Jesus was given for our sins and raised from the dead so that we can be right with God. So why did God send Jesus? Because that's how much he loves us. He says, I love these people. I create them. I want them in my family for eternity. For eternity. For eternity. You see, what you are right now, and I want to tweak your thinking a little here. You are a soul that just happens to be living in that body right now. It's like me driving my car. When I'm in there, the car is just a a shell. The driver is me. I'm the real deal. (laughs) Inside you is a real soul. Your soul will live for eternity, whether you're a Christian or not. Where, that's a different story. We'll get to that next. The Bible says that while we were unable to help ourselves, at our moment of need, Christ died for us, although we were living against God. So whilst we were messed up, God took the initiative. You see, you and I are broken in ways that we cannot fix ourselves. We try. You've tried. I've tried. We're broken in ways that we can't fix and we need a saviour. And that's part of living on a broken planet. Paul tells us this here very clearly. The law of Moses could not save us. That's the Ten Commandments. See, God offered the people relationships and said, nah, give us a bunch of rules. We'll live up to them. We can do that. He offered them relationship, but they chose the rules. And what the Ten Commandments really show is that we can't keep them all. Therefore, we need Christ a savior. The Bible says that the law is given like a schoolmaster which brought us to Christ. Can't do that. Broke it, I'm in trouble. Straight to the schoolmaster. Because of our sinful nature. See, keeping the law will never work because you and I are not perfect. Heaven's perfect and I'm not. But God put into effect a different plan. This is part of his plan. You hear about God's plan? To save us. So he sent a son in a human body like ours, except ours are sinful. His wasn't. God destroyed sin's control over us by giving us a son as a sacrifice for our sins. So the sacrifices pointed to Jesus' sacrifice, which paid for three things. Number one, the Bible says that God sent Jesus not only to pay for the penalty of your sin in the past, he paid for the penalty of your sin in your past, and that means I can be forgiven, and that is good news. That is the gospel. That is the euangelion, which is the Greek. The good news. And that will be great, if that was all there was. But he also said, not only will I forgive you from your past sins, I will give you the power to break away from the sinful, hurtful things that mess up your life and other people's life right now because of your sinful nature. Those things like your habits and your hurts and your hang-ups that create havoc in your life. And then he said, not only that, I've forgiven your past sin, I'll give you power to get over the sin now, but I'll also eventually deliver you from the presence of sin forever gone burger and jesus did it all you don't have to earn it you don't work for it it is a free gift of grace and all you can do is either accept that or reject that but god gives you the choice which is where act four comes in act four is god gives us a choice God says, I did it all for you, but now here's the sharp end of the business. You must decide whether you're going to accept this or reject this. Those who want to say, I'm in, I accept it, I'm going to go God's way, I want to be part of the family, he gives a choice, but he will never force you. The Bible even says here, you will come to a point of question. How long will you waver? between two opinions if the Lord is God follow him clearly if he's not walk away friends you and some of your friends have got some very blunt decisions to make who are you going to live for you or God because you cannot have two number ones you cannot serve two masters you may serve your company You may serve getting rich. We just sung something slightly different to that, that last song. You may serve your own selfish desires, your own ambitions, but you are going to serve somebody. Remember the old Bob Dylan song? You've got to serve somebody. You've got to decide who you're going to live for, me or God. In other words, who's going to have the authority to call the shots? And you say, well, that's great, Ian, but you know what, I'm not going to decide. Well, as loving as I can, friend, I want to say to you that in this particular instance, not deciding is to decide. It's, not, it's like, if you don't show up for the game, you lose by default. Because one day you're going to stand before God who says, I, I created this universe to create the galaxy, to create the earth, to create you, to love you, to send my son for you. I thought this up, And I've seen every day of your life, I I wanted you to be part of my family. I made you to be part of that. I wanted to express my love to you. I sent Jesus to die to you. Did you accept my son and and my gift? And then he goes, well, sorry, I didn't. Wrong answer there. And you'll say, okay, you didn't want me or my will on earth. You didn't want to be part of my family. So you probably won't want to be part of my family for eternity either. May it be done to you according to your will. And that's it. Let me be very clear on this. There is no posthumous, i.e. after death, changing. The condition you're leaving is a condition because he will not force you. That would be coercive. How would you be an idiot standing before the God of heaven? Uh, no, I want to go to hell. Of course you wouldn't. You wouldn't have a choice. You, you have a choice here. In heaven, when you see the glory and the trillions of people, you'd be absolutely insane. You couldn't. It'd be coerced. Do you see what I'm saying? You would not have a free choice in heaven. You get your choice on earth. The Bible is very clear about that. Now, let me make this real clear. You'll like this because you all know what I'm talking about. Ladies, I want to talk to you for a moment. Have you ever been in that funny experience where somebody is pursuing you who you do not want to date? Some of you are going, yeah, and he's sitting next to me now. <laughs> you know, he won't leave me alone. Ever had that? When somebody's chasing you and you go, oh, cool, get me out of here. Where's a door? Huh? You know what I'm saying? Now, just suppose for a minute, work with me here, suppose for a minute that young man keeps pursuing this woman and finally, whoa, after shuddering every time she sees him, she's had enough. And what does she say about this point in time? I only like you as a friend. (laughs) Now, when she says that, guys, take a hint. She doesn't even like you. Move on. Time to go. She's not even interested. So if you ever come across that, you know what to do there, son. (laughs) Now, Now, but suppose the unconscionable thing happens here. He decides to say, you know, I I just love you so much. I'm going to force my love on you. Mm. Can he force you to love him? No, of course not. Love by definition must be freely given. If he truly did love you, what would he do? He'd leave you alone. Right? Yes? You with me? And that's exactly what God does for us. He sends us cards. And he sends us letters and he sends us flowers. Love letters. He gives us creation and conscience and Christ and the Bible and missionaries and preachers and TV and radio broadcasts. And in some places even, In Muslim countries right now, where they can't even get in, he's sending Muslims, hard-out Muslims, dreams and visions. And they're coming to Christ. If he gives us all this and we keep saying, no, 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 God will give us up to our own desires. And the most loving thing you could do would be to respect your choice. So God says... You get to choose. What do I need to choose? I need to decide three things. One, I need to admit, I'm going to choose to admit that the fact that I've been living my plan instead of God's plan. And I own up to my own sin. That's what it means. I own up. That's the Bible word called confession. And you say, God, when you do that, you're right and I'm wrong. I've been living for me. I have not been living for you. I've been deluded. Second, I admit I'm screwing up. I shouldn't be. Number two, I turn. u turn. The Greek word there is metanoia, change. This is what we call repent. I was going this way. Whoa, that's wrong. I'm going back this way. You've got to take, that's what repentance. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, God. Crash. You've got to do the U-turn, or it's not repentance. And then three, I must choose to trust what Jesus Christ did on the cross For me is enough to get me into heaven because I know I could never get there on my own efforts. That's what it says. Because heaven is a perfect place and I'm not, and I could never earn it or work it or deserve it. So I'm gonna trust in Jesus. What you did for me on the cross is enough to get me in. And I'm gonna be grateful and I'm gonna thank you for that. Now, some of you say here today if I opened up my life 100% to Jesus Christ and chose to go ahead with his plan and his purpose for my life and to turn from my sin, what will it do to me? It'll change you, it'll change you radically. Some consciously, some not consciously, I remembered. When I first got saved, one of the first things I knew had changed I was get, lining up for a good fight, which I was in every week. Ask Grant. Whacked the guy in the trachea, and instead of whacking him in the trachea and just about killing him, I slapped him. What was that? Just, where did that come from? And gr- gradually I backed off and backed off and backed off, and as he took to my wife. God took all that anger away from me. I'm probably the least angry guy you're going to find in your life. Check it. God changed me. Radically. God will transform your life. You cannot have God in your life, something so big, and not leave a footprint. Huge change. Here's how it changes you. 2 Corinthians 5. Christ died for all. Now, watch this carefully. In fact, let's read this together aloud at an enthusiastic pace. Let's read it. Christ died for all so that those who live would... He died for them and was raised from the dead so that they would... Do you see a U-turn there? I have been living for myself... My career, my plans, my desires, my, 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 my. Whoop. No, no, your, your, your. I'm living there for your kingdom, your purposes. And a lot of time is getting shorter. There's a U-turn right there. How do you know if you have Christ in your life? One of the ways is you live for him. Paul lived with the same selfless abandon that the Lord had. See, Christ's love converted him. That same love now compelled him to live differently from those of his old ways. And Paul says, we are not to continue living for ourselves, but we need to continue living for him. Have you taken the U-turn or was yes, God, your way, your way, your way, your way? <laughs> This is serious. This is the cost of discipleship. Now, you are free, friend, to make any choice you want in your life. That's your choice. God is not going to stop you. You can keep on plomping down this road. He's not going to stop you. Another drink, and all of a sudden your hand doesn't move because God's stopping you. No, that's your choice. But you will not be free from the consequences of your choice. And your choice, friend, has eternal implications. Deuteronomy 30:15. Today, I am giving you a choice. Between good and evil. Between life and death. God is waiting for you to make your choice. The final act, Act 5, in the mystery of history, is still to come. And by the way, let me be real clear on this one. If anybody tells you and pulls out their charts when this is going to happen, they're lying. But the Bible says one day, the final act, history on earth is going to be shut down close down life on this planet is forever going to be over that's it God is going to collapse a whole lot galaxy Milky Way universe the lot but God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth and God's going to do something new and the only thing that's going from this earth to that life is his family his bride the church. That's it. So Act 5 is Jesus returns for his family. Jesus died for us so that we can live with him forever. Forever. That's what Easter's about. Not just the here and now. not not just stake on the you know plate whilst you wait. It's also it is has eternal implications. So Jesus died for us so we can live for him forever, whether we are dead or alive at the time of his return. So friends, listen carefully. God, this is something that I missed for a long time too. God has a very long-range plan for your life, way up past the diddly-squat 80, 90, 100 years we get down here. It is go- You're going to spend trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of years in eternity. So what am I supposed to do whilst I'm here? We're going to talk about that next week. Very important. It's part of not living for ourselves, but living for God. So remember that God has long-range plans. Here it is. This is his plan in this act. At the right time, God will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. What's it going to be like in heaven? in eternity with God's family, the Bible says, then God's home will be with his people and he will live with them and they will be his people. He will wipe away tears from their eyes. There will be no more death, suffering, crying or pain. These things of the past will be gone forever. Gone. That's why the whole lot's gone. Why is that? Why does it all have to go? Because we live on a broken planet and where things aren't fair anymore. The Bible says all creation is waiting eagerly, eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. And by the way, on that one, that means, do you see the subtle implication there? What's the the implication there? There are some that think that there are his children but aren't. The Bible talks about that in Matthew chapter 7. You may want to go read that. When God will reveal who his children really are, all creation anticipates the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom and death and decay. Now, the question that matters most is this On that day, the question that matters most to me is this On that day, Will your name be on that family list? when God will reveal who His true children are? Friend, I want your name on that list. I want it on that list. And if there's one concept I really want you to get is this: Friend, you are made for a much bigger purpose than you've ever imagined. You think your purpose is figuring out your next job? It's not. You are part of a grand design that goes from Eden to eternity, to history. You were made by God and for God. And God, who deeply loves you, wants you in that family for eternity. If you're simply living for yourself, you're living for the here and now, friend, you are making a fatal mistake. It's not about you. Not about me. It's not about here and it's not about now. It's about God. It's all about his purposes, his plan, his love, and his glory. So your purpose on the planet, first and foremost. If you go to work tomorrow and you get everything else done in your to-do list, but you don't get to know God a little bit more, it's a wasted day. Because we can be busy and succeeding in things that don't matter, a hill of beans. And then the concern is you end up wasting your life. So the point is that you're part of a bigger drama that began before the universe was even brought into being and will go on long after Earth is shut down. God's family is the only thing that's going to last and you were made to be lived forever, but he's not going to force you to join his family. Would you now bow with me as we pray? I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And friend, this prayer has a potential to change your life forever. I mean for eternity. And I invite you to follow me in this prayer and it's a prayer of commitment. And if you choose, say me too, God, because he knows the very thoughts that go through your mind and in your heart. And say, dear God, I've never understood how much you really love me. Thank you for creating me and thinking of me before you even created the universe and loving me. Especially for sending Jesus to die for me and for my sins. Lord, it's it's so hard to even imagine a thing like that. But today, I want to say to you, I want to get to know you, God, not just about you, I want to know you personally. God, I admit I've been living my own way, living for myself. And instead of your plan and your purpose. But Lord, I want to start changing that right now. And I want to start living for you. And Jesus, I want you to be the manager, the CEO, the chairman of the board, the Lord of my life. Where you get to call the shots. You say... This way or that way, yes or no. I want to learn to trust you and love you and follow you. And I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. Lord, accept me into your family, I pray, for all of eternity. I could never deserve that, but just by your grace, I know I am acceptable. I pray this in the powerful and matchless name of the Son of God, which will be with us for eternity, Jesus Christ our Lord. And all the people said, God bless you.